Catholic commentary. Spiritual warfare. Stay ready so you don't have to get ready. Jesus 911. Good morning, Jesus 911, Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Ruben Alba, Jesse Romero coming to you from our beautiful studio here in Covina. Jesse over in Arizona. Good morning, Jesse. Hey, I'm reporting for duty, Ruben. Uh, I'm 10-8. What about you? 10-8 for Jesus. That's right. Hey, let me just mention something real quick. Uh, December, we've entered the month of December. It's the we, we, we reflect on the birth, the divine infancy, the nativity of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Make sure that you're adorning your houses like a Catholic Christian, not like pagans. Make sure, make sure you've got a nativity scene in your front yard. Remember. Yeah. Uh, this is uh, uh, December is also the month that we celebrate the Feast of the Immaculate Conception, which is tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Today is the octave, the eve of. And it's also uh, the month where we celebrate uh, <clears throat> the apparitions of Our Lady of Guadalupe. So uh, so what does it mean that Mary was immaculately conceived? It means that she was born without the stain of original sin. Now, some people say Protestants will say, how so? Come on, everybody's a sinner. Mm. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. When when Jesus is your son uh, and Jesus who is God, he can do anything. That's why as Catholics we pray in faith, O Mary, conceive without sin. Pray for us who have recourse to thee. Reuben? Yes. Amen. That's a, that's huge. I think a lot of Catholics, they think that, and well, and Protestants, when they say they hear the Immaculate Conception, a lot of them are confused. They think they were referring to Jesus on that. Yeah. Yeah. We, we already know that Jesus was perfect. He's God. Yeah. He's, he's sinless. That's not that's not even an issue. And if you were God and you can create your own mother, wouldn't you make her immaculate? Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. that's pretty simple. Yeah. It, it makes. Yeah, exactly. So. That, yeah, this is not. Yeah, this is not. It, it's not a it's not a brain twister. Hey, uh, uh, I got I, I saw an article, ahead. Jess, and, and yeah. um, maybe I, I couldn't I couldn't read it. It wouldn't let me open it. But it was saying that the uh, Vatican is preparing for an enclave that uh, that the Pope is. This is from Newsmax. So, you know, it's saying that that his he's not in good health and he, they don't expect him to make it through 2022. So. I, it, it's uh, they wanted me to pay for the article and I didn't have time this morning. So I said, you know what? Let's see. I don't know if anyone else has heard about it. Uh, I'll, I'll look it up. We'll see if we can find something throughout the show. Okay. Yeah, that's good. Uh, that, I mean, that's, uh, that, no, no, no. I'm saying that's good that you're bringing up good information like that. That's relevant yeah. to the people. No, that's not good that anybody gets sick and dies. We don't, we just want, we hope that everybody dies in a state of grace. And of course, including the Pope, he's a vicar of Christ. Yes. Hey, let's, uh, Let's see if uh, our engineer has okay. awesome. Okay, so let me introduce this to you. You're going to listen to right now uh, Joe Biden. This is back in his 2008 campaign speech. He talks about pulling out of Afghanistan. And I want you to listen to what he said in 2008 mm-hmm. because he does quite the opposite now as the unelected president in 2021. So after you listen to it, you're either going to say either Biden's either a liar, incompetent, or as Obama once said about his partner, Obama once said, quote, don't underestimate Joe's ability to blank things up. Mr. Engineer, can you play the clip? It makes a big difference how we end this war. 
And it makes a big difference to tell the American people the truth about what our options are in ending this war. If tomorrow the order goes out from the president, I'm president of the United States, I issue an order, end the war today, begin to withdraw all American troops. It will take a year to get the American troops out. Do you hear me now? That's the truth. It will take a year to get them physically out. Now, if you leave all the equipment behind, you might be able to do it in seven months. And you leave those billions of dollars of weapons behind, I promise they're going to be used against your grandchild and mine someday. Wow. <laughs> uh, he's telling the truth. That's the only time I've heard him tell the truth, Jesse. <laughs> Ruben, he's, so he says if we leave billions of dollars of weapons, they're going to use them against us, uh, your, your kids and your grandkids. Yeah. This is exactly what he did. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, he left them. He left these guys a, a complete arsenal to take on any other country. And he admitted that if we did that in 2008, they're going to use them against us. This prophecy is going to be fulfilled. If we ever go back in there, our, our troops are going to get shot with our own weapons. And the other thing he also said back in 2008, <laughs> that it'll take a year to pull the troops out a year. Well, uh, he's well. He, he him and his administration said that they've pulled everybody out. Uh, they did it within about two weeks. Really? Uh, here's the problem, Ruben. J- Biden has been a politician for fifty years. He's never had a real job, <laughs> yeah. and, and 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 he has a problem with the truth. Yeah. He's he, for his entire life, Ruben. This guy has a problem with the truth, and when he gets caught. He just basically deflects or, or just uh, pivots. But, I mean, we don't have time to do it today, but if anybody, any uh, one of the viewers want to read an article put out by the Federalist, it's uh, thefederalist.com, the article's called uh, 97 Lies That Joe Biden Has Said and Counting. It's, it's a phenomenal article. It goes, I mean, it goes back, I think, back to starting like 15 years ago. They, they, they didn't go all the way back for his 50 years. It's only 15 years. 97 lies he said in 15 years and counting. You know, the administration, they erased the Afghan weapons report from the federal websites. Um, Biden asked them to, to, to get rid of the, the, the evidence, basically. And it's, it's an admission obtained from the State Department. Um, I was reading an article Yesterday, in fact, uh, where they recently uh, directed federal agencies to scrub their websites of, of official reports detailing the 82.9 million billion, with a B, in military equipment and training provided to the Afghan security forces since 2001. Uh, I mean, they, they scrubbed audits and reports, and included detailing uh, accounts of what the U.S. had provided to the Afghan forces down to the number of night vision devices, hand grenades, Black Hawk helicopters, and armored vehicles and reports further quantified 208 aircraft and helicopters, 75,000 war vehicles, including 22 Humvees, 50,000 tactical vehicles and nearly 1,000 mine resistant vehicles and 600,000 weapons, 600,000 weapons, including 350,000 M4s and M16 rifles, 60,000 machine guns and 25 grenade launches. So Joe Biden, you bet they're going to use that against us. Wow. Ruben, uh, th- this guy, the C- Catholic uh, vote just put out another article about the situation of, of people in Afghanistan, specifically Christians. Uh, 
It says, Afghanistan Christians in hiding without food and heat as winter begins. Why? Why are the Christians in... And when we're talking about Christians, we're not talking about Protestants here. We're not talking about Calvary Chapel. When you're talking about Christians in the Middle East, they're Catholic or Orthodox. Those are the old uh, ancient Christian uh, peoples, not the the Johnny-come-latelys here in the U.S. Mm-hmm. So it says, Christians and others in hiding from the Taliban in Afghanistan are now facing starvation and freezing temperatures as winter begins, according to a Catholic aid organization. Yeah, you know why they're hiding and why they're facing starvation? Because this president abandoned them. He abandoned Americans. Yep. And, and uh, the fact is, uh, this, uh, this uh, Jason Jones, he's a friend of mine, he's confirmed this. He's over in Afghanistan trying to help people. He says, there are tens of thousands of Christians hiding in Afghanistan. Right now, they're very cold. Right now, they're very hungry. And right now, they're fearing for their life from the terrorists. Uh, Ruben, uh, that, that foreign policy decision that, Afghanistan, that Biden made was a disaster and is a disaster. Yeah. And, you know, he was, uh, the information came out that he, had, was in a conversation with the Afghan president saying, hey, just kind of downplay the the strength of the Taliban that they're, you know, because the, the, the president knew they were being taken over. They were being uh, overcome with the, the resistance of the Taliban. And Biden basically was asking him to lie about that, you know, that uh, they're going to be able to handle handle things when when the U.S. pulled out. So it's just unconscionable what what this guy did. And just three weeks before they pulled out of Afghanistan, he was saying he wasn't going to leave any American behind. And and that was the biggest lie uh, of all. So, Ruben, this guy just this guy just has again, because I'm going to I'm going to say something that's not going to be very popular. Joe Biden and Nancy Pelosi are the classic examples of post Vatican II Catholicism. Yeah. Post-Vatican II Catholics, Catholics after 1965 that have been basically brought up in liberation theology, modernism, dissent, uh, you know, mm-hmm. every, 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 all the worst things that we see today, Joe Biden and Nancy Pelosi were trained in that system of Catholicism, and that's why, Ruben, for them, they are their own magisterium. That both of those fake Catholics, they operate under the principle of my my private moral conscience trumps everything else. Yeah, yeah. To heck with the uh, what the Catholic Church has always said. It's it's you know it's based on their emotions and and their uh, their feelings and what what works for them and you know they pick and choose what they want to believe and. Unfortunately, that's the state of uh, of the church. The church, right? Yeah. Yeah. Hey, by the way, St. Ambrose of Milan, pray for us. It's his feast day today. One of the great bishops of the early church. Yes. That's right. St. Ambrose, he helped uh, convert St. Augustine. Yep. That's right. We'll be right back. Jesus 911. We're going to get into uh, St. Hildegard von Bingen. Now, back to Jesus 911. If this call is not an emergency, 
Dial 888-526-2151. Jesus 911, we're back. We're going to get into St. Hildegard and some of uh, some, I guess it would be his prophecy, some visions he had. And uh, just you want to give us, uh, give listeners a little bit of breakdown on what this is. Yeah, regarding. so... St. Hildegard von Bingen uh, was one of the seers, approved seers of the Catholic Church that had visions of the Antichrist. So we're going to share some of the things that uh, St. Hildegard saw. Uh, There's a lot of stuff, again, that's just very apocalyptic. But who is the Antichrist according to Catholic teaching? Well, the Antichrist is a real person. The Church has always taught that. It's, is uh, the Antichrist is uh, is going to be like the vicar of Satan. Mm. The, the Antichrist is going to be the chief enemy of Christ here on earth. The New Testament talks about many Antichrists in 1 John 2.18, 1 John 2.22, 1 John 4.3, and 2 John 1.7. St. John talks about Antichrist with a small a. He says that there have been many antichrists. And over the years, historically, there have been many antichrists like Caligula, Simon Magus, Nero, Domitian, Muhammad, uh, 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 Arius of Alexandria. But the, the more common interpretation is that the antichrist is, is not just a symbolic movement it's a real person. That's the, the Catholic, uh, what the Catholic Church teaches. It's a real person. And there are several people, uh, St. Saint, Saint, uh, Hildegard, one, one of many, that have given us visions and prophecies of the Antichrist. The word Antichrist, it basically means, it's uh, St. Polycarp says the word Antichrist is another way of saying a false Christ. Mm-hmm. A pseudo Christ, a, a false Messiah, but nonetheless, and by the way, and Saint Paul does does talk about the Antichrist in his letters in Second Thessalonians two, chapter seven and twelve. He calls the Antichrist uh, the man of lawlessness or the son of perdition, but it's the same person according to the fathers of the church. It is the Antichrist. So let's jump into this, Reuben. Now it's rather long, so I, I'm I'm going to just tell the audience. You need to go ahead and read the articles on our show page, vmpr.org or jesseromero.com. But we'll start getting right into it in, in uh, where he's, where St. Hildegard starts talking about some of the actual visions. So number one or number two, uh, St. Hildegard talks about a fiery dog. He says, one is like a dog, fiery but not burning, and he's talking about the five ferocious uh, epochs of temporal history. That 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 is Christians. We've had five horrendous uh, times in Catholic Christian history. Uh, he, they're called epochs of temporal rulers. So the first, the first epoch of of uh, that, or the first calamity or tribulation that we've experienced, Saint Hildegard calls it the fiery dog. Uh, it, it, it reads, one is like a dog, fiery but not burning, for that era will produce with a biting temperament who seem fiery in their own estimation, but do not burn with the justice of God. My, I'm just guessing that could have been the Arian 
the the, the first real attack against the Catholic Church. Uh, again, these these fiery, biting temperaments. Uh, that that could have been a reference to that, Ruben. Okay, yeah, that, that's a that that could be very, very well be. Um, the the yellow lion is the third uh, third one. He, he says another is like a yellow lion. For this era will endure martial people, or yeah, martial people who in, instigate many wars, but do not think of the righteousness of God in them. For those kingdoms will begin to weaken and tire as the yellow colors shows. Uh, so. I I don't have a an idea. This this could have been the uh, the period, you know, maybe after uh, say Gregory the Great. I don't know it's, it's some of the problems that the church was having, or maybe in the Middle Ages. I, yeah, well, we had Ruben. We had uh, you know wars against and attacks from the barbarians, the Visigoths, the Vandals, uh, but we evangelized them. We we evangelized them. They they. But I, though, to me, those wars would talk about probably the 800 years that we were being attacked systematically by Islam. Uh, it could also yeah. be talking about uh, the Protestant Catholic wars in the Middle Ages. So, yeah, who knows what it refers to, but there's always been war for 2,000 years. There's never been a time where there hasn't been war. Number four, uh, St. Hildegard talks about the pale horse. Another's like a pale horse for those times will produce people who drawn themselves in sin. And in their licentiousness and swift moving pleasures neglect all virtuous activities. And then these kingdoms will lose their ruddy strength and grow pale with the fear of ruin and their hearts will be broken. Well, Ruben, that pale horse sounds like right now. <laughs> the, the definition sounds like right now. Yeah, exactly. Their licentious and swift moving pleasures and neglect the virtuous activities. Uh, yeah, that, that, you know, Our Lady said that more people are going to go to hell for sins of the flesh. And um, so... The black pig is the fifth one, the black pig. And another is like a black pig for this epoch will have leaders who blacken themselves with misery and wallow in the mud of impurity. They will infringe the divine law by fornication and other like evils and will plot to diverge from the holiness of God's commands. Um, You know, I I don't know. It could have been the uh, maybe the time of the, the Reformation, the uh, you know Henry the Eighth, you know, wanting to uh, to create, be his own pope, basically, and um, you know, with his impurity, taking his, his the wife of his uh, his brother. So I don't know. This is tough stuff to uh, you know to to make yeah. extra tales of. But yeah, so uh, a little later, it's going to be a lot easier. The okay, uh, the gray wolf, Saint Hildegard. By the way, that's that's uh, it's a female. She's a, she was a nun. A Benedictine nun. The gray wolf, and the last is like a gray wolf. For those times will have people who plunder each other, robbing the powerful and the fortunate. And in these conflicts, they will show themselves to be neither black nor white, but gray in their cunning. And they will divide and conquer the rulers of these of those realms. And then the time will come when many will be ensnared, and, and the errors of errors will rise from, the hell, from hell to heaven. And then the children of light will be pressed in the winepress of martyrdom, and they will... And they will not deny the Son of God, but reject the Son of, but reject the Son of Perdition, who tries to do His will with the devil's arts. And these beasts are facing the West, for these fleeting times will vanquish with the setting sun. For people rise and set like the sun, and some are born and some die. As I saw, <laughs> seems like it was describing what happened in San Francisco, all those robberies over what happens in Chicago every weekend. A lot of the violence that we see in our cities. Uh, and again, 
where, where it talks about the children of light will be pressed in the wine press of martyrdom. Well, that's been happening in the Middle East to Christians, Catholics, and Orthodox for, heck, since Muhammad was born. And it's happening right now under in, in communist countries right now. Uh, for example, in China and other communist countries, our, our brothers in Christ are, are being pressed in the wine press of martyrdom, Ruben. Mm. The, f- the seventh one is the five peaks and the five ropes. And in the west before those beasts, a hill with five peaks appears for in these peaks is symbolized the power of carnal desire. And from the mouth of each beast, one rope stretches to one of the peaks of the hill. For each of these, those uh, powers will extend throughout the period in question. All the ropes are black and except that one that comes from the mouth of the wolf, which is partly black and partly white. Where the length of the ropes indicates how far people are willing to go in their stubborn pleasures. But though the one that symbolizes greed is partly black and puts forth many evils, yet some will come from that direction who are white with justice. And these latter will hasten to resist the son of perdition by ardent wonders. As my servant Job indicates about the righteous doer of justice when he says, um, well, Jess, uh, you know, even Pope Benedict said the church is going to dwindle away. I'm not dwindle away, but it's going to come get smaller. That could be those people with the white ropes, you know, the people that um, are fighting this and they're fighting for justice and and their faith. And this is this is, you know, a good portion of the church has, has lost their way. You know, we see that the, remember what only 25 percent of the people are going to mass or maybe even less. Uh, especially since after COVID, you know, uh, the people still haven't returned. That's uh, right. Yeah. Uh, number eight, the words of Job. Uh, by, by the way, for those of you that are wondering, the church, the, the person that wrote more about the Antichrist was a, was a father named St. Hippolytus of Rome, who died in 236 AD. He said that the Antichrist would come from the t- tribe of Dan. And would rebuild the Jewish temple on uh, on the on the Temple Mount in order to reign from it. So the Antichrist will be Jewish, according to Saint Hippolytus. But back to Saint Hildegard, she writes, "The words of Job: The innocent shall be raised up against the hypocrite, and the just shall hold to his path. And to clean hands he shall add strength." That's uh, that's right out of Job chapter seventeen, verse eight and nine. Which is to say, one who is innocent of bloody deeds, murder, and fornication, and the like will be aroused like a burning coal against one who deceives in his works. How? The latter speaks of honey, but deals in poison. Sounds like politicians, by the way. And calls a man friend, but stifles him like an enemy. He speaks sweet words, but has malice within him. Sounds like people that used to work for Donald Trump. They spoke sweet things in front of his face, but they had malice towards him. And talks blandly to his friend and then slays him from the ambush. But one who has a rod with which to drive away vile brutes from himself walks to the light of the shining sun on the righteous path of his heart. He is raised up in the sight of God as a, as a bright spark and a clear light and a flaming torch. And so, bearing in himself the strongest, purest works, he puts them on like a strong breastplate and a sharp sword and drives away vice and wins virtue. Well, the good thing about that prophecy from St. Hildegard is she's basically saying that although there are evil people in the world, there's always going to be righteous people as well fighting against vice and sin. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The ninth one, uh, the church will shine in her justice until the time of the Antichrist. And therefore, in the East, you see again that youth whom you first saw on the corner of the wall of the building where the the shining and stone parts come together. 
clad in purple tunic, now standing on the same corner. For here is the sunrise of justice, the Son of Man manifest to you to confirm the truth afresh through his mysteries and miracles, still presiding over the union of reflective knowledge and human deeds, having shed his blood by the will and goodness of the Father for the salvation of the world. So now you can see him from the waist down, for now you see him in the strength of his members who are his elect, and he will flourish as bridegroom of the church with many obscure signs and wonders until their number is complete. And from the waist down to the place that denotes the male, he glows like the dawn. For until the time of the son of perdition, who will pretend to be the man of strength, his faithful members will be perfected in fortitude, and he will be splendid in the justice of his righteous worshipers. So in the same place, a harp is lined with its strings across the body, which signifies the joyful songs of those who will suffer dire torments in the persecution that the son of iniquity will inflict upon the chosen, torturing their bodies so much that they released them from Passover unto, into rest. And we'll, we'll talk more about this on the other side of the break. We'll talk about St. Hildegram's prophecies. Be right back. Now, back to Jesus 911. If this call is not an emergency, dial 888-526-2151. Jesus 911, we are back. Iron sharpens iron and one man sharpens another. And uh, we're, we're talking about some prophecies by St. Hildegard. St. Hildegard. About the Antichrist. Von, about the Antichrist. Von yeah. Dingen. But she lived from 1098 to 1179. So, so uh, Ruben, yeah, so that, that definitely definitely a source to be trusted. She's got an ST before her name, not a BA after her name. <laughs> but, by the way, Ruben, um, it, I'm just going to, if, and that's an IF, big IF, if the Antichrist is here right now, I'll tell you who works for him. And I'm not picking on him. It's because the Antichrist is, go- is going to be the power player. If the Antichrist is in the world right now, Joe Biden works for him. It's pretty simple because, first of all, he's not a Catholic in good standing. Mm-mm. And so he has no problems uh, violating uh, the church's teachings. In fact, he's the most pro-abortion uh, president in the, his- in the 244-year history of our country. And we all know, Ruben, he's just a puppet, anyhow, on a string who doesn't know much. I think he's probably got dementia. And so what I'm saying, mm-hmm. if the Antichrist is here, those are the people that he's going to go after, people like him, people that like Fauci that run the you know, NIH, uh, CDC, uh, F- people that uh, big pharma, big tech. He goes after the power players. Mm-hmm. This way he's able to facilitate his one world government even faster. Yep. But let's go back to St. Hildegard. Catholic nun back in the a thousand years ago writing about the Antichrist. And let's see what, what we can glean from her writings. Uh, number 10. The church's faith will be in doubt until the witness of Enoch and Elijah. And from there to the width of two fingers above his heel, he's, he is in shadow. For from the time of the persecution, the faithful will suffer from, from the son of the devil. and So that uh, she calls... Uh, the, the Antichrist, the son of the devil. By the way, that movie, Rosemary's Baby, which came out years ago, 
that movie was about the, the Antichrist. Mm-hmm. It was uh, th- that baby it, it ended up becoming the Antichrist, Rosemary's baby that this woman, Rosemary, carried to, to term. But it says, uh, the Antichrist from the son of the devil until the testimony of two witnesses, Enoch and Elijah, who spurned the earth and worked towards heavenly desires, faith in the doctrines of the church will not will be in doubt, like right now, by the way. People will say to each other with great sadness, what is this they say about Jesus? Is it true or not? So, uh, St. Hildegard is not the only one. There's many saints in the Catholic Church that say that Enoch and Elijah, who never suffered a bodily death in the Old Testament, they were assumed body and soul uh, right up to heaven. They will come back during the days of the Antichrist and they will warn us who the Antichrist is. And not only will they warn us, then they're going to be suffer uh, and, and, be, and be killed and die in Jerusalem as well. So that's, that's way pre-modernism, modern liberation theology, Catholicism that goes all the way back to the Middle Ages. Yes, who, who was that? Was that uh, St. Malachi that was saying that the uh, Antichrist would come from a, 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 uh, the, the child of a bishop and a nun? Was it? Do you, you remember hearing that one? Uh, I think it was, Ruben, I think it was actually, uh, it was actually St. Hildegard. Later on, she says it in another one of her works. I've read it, I've read it from her, from, from this St. Mm-hmm. Hildegard of Bingen. Uh, she's the one that said that, uh, what you just said, that the Antichrist would come from, uh, the from, offspring a, from, a, from, of... from a nun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Okay. okay, number 11, before the end of the world, the devil will perish and the truth be known. But from there down to the bottom of the feet, he is whiter than milk. That is to say that by the testimony of those same witnesses who await the eternal reward, when the son of perdition is defeated before the world ends, the Son of Man will be brilliantly and beautifully seen in the Catholic faith. The truth will be plainly shown in him and the falsity of the son of of iniquity rejected in every way, as my servant David testifies. Mm. Mm. I just looked it up. It was Catherine and Emmerich also said uh, about uh, Blessed and Catherine Emmerich in the 19th century. Uh, what you just what you just asked me. Mm. Okay. So yeah, there's several people that have said that. Uh, yeah, so be, Ruben, we just read there before the end of the world, the devil will perish and the truth be known. Yeah, we know that. That's that's what Advent's all about. Uh, the the coming of Christ, the first coming of Christ, the second coming of Christ. The first coming of Christ, Jesus Christ came as the baby of, from Bethlehem, the Lamb of God, the suffering servant. The second coming of Christ, he's going to come as a triumphant king, the Lion of the tribe of Judah. Uh, he's going to come basically to destroy uh, evil nations, evildoers. Yeah. He's going to get the devil and his demons. He's going to consign them in hell and lock them up and torture them forever. So, uh, uh, yeah, th- that's just called the second coming of Christ. And uh, St. Hildegard just uh, reaffirmed that. Catholics age old teaching. Yeah. And you know, I, I was having a conversation with an old friend at the gym yesterday and, and uh, he's Catholic, um, but uh, has been getting uh, since the, since the COVID thing hit, you know, he was going the, the uh, only church that was open uh, near him was a, a, a Protestant church. So he was going there and he kind of, you know, he was liking what he heard. And anyway, um, you know, he asked about, the you know the uh, the the rapture and I had to you know tell him that we we don't believe in the rapture yeah. when Jesus comes the next time it's you know it's, it's just coming like you said you know 
It's final. <laughs> final. That's the last. Yeah. yeah. So, and, and, but anyway, some people think, oh, well, he's going to take us out of here so we don't have to suffer. Well, we're not, we're all called to suffer. You know, we can't, we can't walk away from the suffering if, if that's, that's God's will for us, you know. Um, you know, Jesus said, unless you, you know, you, you want to follow me, pick up your cross and follow me if you, you know, you want to be my disciple. And you, it's so we can't, we can't get away from this suffering. I know that a lot of the, um, you know, that, People who in the, in the Protestant movement they they think that uh, God's going to spare them from this and take them up and let let the, those remaining here on earth suffer all the uh, the wrath and the torments and stuff. So you know we're called to and, suffer. That's right. And Ruben. And by the way, it's 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 only a small segment of Protestants that believe in the rapture. It's uh, it's basically the the ones that uh, started within the last hundred years. Because nobody ever taught this before, yeah. this is this is a novel teaching, mm-hmm. even amongst Protestants. This is, this is not even traditional Protestant teaching. the The first time this was ever taught uh, was back in 1870 by a by a, a Congregationalist minister. His name was John Nelson Darby. Uh, that was back in 1870. Nobody, not even amongst Protestants, had they ever taught that. Yeah, and then it, it became kind of popular. With uh, the Protestants came out with a Schofield Reference Study Bible in 1909. Then Hal Lindsey picked up this teaching. He was on radio and television. Then the TBN channel kind of picked up this teaching. They came out with some books back in the 70s and 80s called The Late Great Planet Earth. And Harold Camping picked it up. And guess what, Ruben? Every single time they pick a date about uh, Christ, uh, you know, this rapture, they've always been wrong. The rapture is known for to us as Catholics as the heresy of millenarianism. This is an old heresy back in the very early church where uh, the, some of the early heretics were proposing that God would reign on earth for, a, Jesus Christ would reign on earth uh, in a government, uh, in a one world government for a thousand years. That's been called a heresy in the Catholic church and it's ex- explicitly condemned, condemned by Catholicism. And then even amongst themselves, they don't agree. There's right, what, yeah. the post-millennial, exactly. pre-millennial, all those, diff- you know, so there's, yeah. so, yep. Anyway, let's go on to the next 13, Jess. 13. When justice grows cold, the church will undergo suffering and persecution. Well, I think we're seeing that right now, Ruben. Yeah. It says, and you see again, the figure of a woman whom you previously saw in front of the altar that stands before the eyes of God standing in the same place for the bride of the son of God is shown to you again to reveal the truth always present to the pure prayers of the saints and as was said before offering them up devotedly to the eyes of heaven but now you see her from the waist down for you see her in her full dignity as a church replete with full number of her children in the mysteries and wonders by which she was she has saved so many and from her waist to the place that denotes the female she has various scaly blemishes this is to say that though she is now flourishing worthily and laudably in her children before the time in which the son of perdition will try to perf- perfect the trick he played on the first woman, the church will be harshly be- reproached for many vices, fornication and murder and rapine. How? Because those who should love her will vilely persecute her. Mm. Well, that's happening right now. People who should love the church, many prelates are, are living a double life and that's how they're persecuting the church. Yeah. And you know, uh, m- murder, look at the abortion rate and, uh, We've got we've got uh, Catholic politicians that are you know promoting all this. Absolutely, and 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 uh, prelates that are just quiet about it yeah. because they receive money for their social justice programs. Yeah. So yeah, I think this prophecy has been fulfilled. Number number fifteen, Bruin. Four, 
15 or 14? Yeah. 14. Huh? Oh, yeah, 14, 14. Antichrist will horribly rend the faithful and cruelly tear humanity, and thus in the place where the female is recognized is a black and monstrous head, for the son of perdition will come raging with the arts he first used to seduce in monstrous shamefulness and blackest wickedness. It has fiery eyes and ears like an ass and nostrils and mouth like a lion's. Or he runs wild in acts of vile lust and shameful blasphemy, causing people to deny God and tainting their minds and tearing the church with the greed of the rapine. It opens wide its jaws and terribly clashes its horrible iron-colored teeth. For with his voracious and gaping jaws, he evilly infuses those who consent to him with his strong vices and mordant madness. You know, this. it sounds like when the... Uh, a son of perdition comes this you know he's 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 pissed he's coming because he's yep. pissed he knows his power is waning he's he's losing it all and he's right. going to be coming it's like uh you know maybe the the prize fighter there's he knows that he if he doesn't uh throw everything all caution to the wind in the in the 12th round that you know he's going to lose this fight so he's going to give it all he's got and that's what what's happening with the the devil that's right 15, the son of perdition, that's the Antichrist, unable to be gentle, will try to persecute, and from his head down to her knees, the figure is white and red, as if bruised by many beatings. That's, that's a reference to the church, that, yes. that female. For the son of perdition, the Antichrist will try to seduce people by evil deceptions. How about the jab, huh? Mm-hmm. How about the COVID-19 scam? Oh, yeah. And at first speak to them flatteringly and gently, but then try cruelly to pervert and force them. Yeah, like Biden's trying to force us now. And then the church will know purity of faith in her children, but anguished and bloody terror and the tribulations of many sufferings for herself. We'll be right back. Don't change that dial. Now, back to Jesus 911. If this call is not an emergency, dial 888-526-2151. Jesus 911, we are back and uh we we're going to finish up this uh this article on it's on St. Hildegard of Bingen and uh, she lived she lived at the time of uh, 1098 to 1179 and these are her visions and of of what the antichrist may be or and uh so we're we're here on number uh, sixteen, Jess. Yeah. Okay. So, the church near the end of the world would be bathed in righteous blood, and from her knees to her tendons, where they join her heels, which appear white, she is covered with blood. For at the time near the the end of the world, when she must endure assault until the coming of the two witnesses of, of truth, who will keep the church together by their strength, she will suffer most terribly persecute terrible persecutions, and the blood of those who despise the destroyer will be most cruelly shed. What does this mean? When the son of perdition is strengthened through deceit and derives, derives confidence from his perverse teachings, the church, as she hastens on, will be bathed in the noblest blood, and then she will be fully constructed as the celestial dwelling. For you, O streets of Jerusalem, will then shine with the purest gold, which is the blood of the saints. The devil will be extinguished for persecuting the members of the uh, supernal king and his great terror will be reduced to naught. Well, we know that we're going to be persecuted and we know that the devil's going to lose at the end. That's what we know from all that poetic writing. Yes. 
Yeah. She wrote, yeah, go ahead. No, no, I was just going to say, you know, when we we saw the vision of uh, the third secret that, that, the, that the church revealed and that the Pope would be martyred and there'd be a lot of blood and there was, you know, it's, 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 it's a imagery of a, of a battle, you know, and so there will be some bloodshed, you know, you know, this is, this is going to happen. Yep. Uh, 17, we're now in the seventh millennium, she writes a thousand years ago, but yield people who desire to dwell in those streets, flee from the devil and adore God. Good advice. Who created you for in six days, God completed his works and on the seventh, he rested. What does this mean? The six days are the six numbered epochs, and in the sixth epoch, the latest miracles were brought forth in the world. As God finished his work on the sixth day, but now the world is in the seventh epoch, approaching the end of time as on the seventh day. How? The prophets have completed their utterances. My son has accomplished his will in the world, and the gospel has been preached openly throughout all lands and throughout the times of this, of this full number and more years after it, despite the diversity of human customs, the world has remained as it is, as 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 it was, well established by me. So she's saying that uh, she's saying that there will be seven eras or seven epochs, and a thousand years ago, Saint Hildegard is saying that right now we have ent- we have entered now into the seventh epoch of human history. Yeah. So according to her timeline, uh, this is the the time, or this is the epoch of the Antichrist. There will be no eighth or ninth epoch. Uh, yeah, it's it's there's pretty good indication that uh, we're very close to it. If we're not in it now, we're per, per very close to it. It, it. it, you know, because we know like what that says that we have to the, the 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 gospel has to be preached throughout the world, and you know, um, especially with the um, the internet, you know, it's 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 able to reach people in far the the farthest places of uh, of the world, and so it. It's getting to that point, Justin. If it has, a, if the gospel hasn't been preached all over, it's uh, it's pretty doggone close. Right. At least people have the possibility to hear the message of Jesus Christ because of social media and the internet. I think that's possible now. So I think that you can check that box off. Mm-hmm. So the eighteenth, why why God now utters new mysteries by the mouth of the unlearned person, but now the Catholic faith wavers among the nations and the gospel limps among the people and the mighty books in which the excelling doctors had summed up knowledge. With great care, go unread with shameful apathy in the food of life, which is the divine scriptures, cools to tepidity. For this reason, I now speak through a person who is not eloquent in the scriptures or taught by an earthly teacher. I, who am, speak through her of new secrets and mystical truths, heretofore hidden in books, like one who mixes clay and then shapes it to any form he wishes. And that just kind of that denotes the modernists that uh, have infected the church and uh the seminaries and what they uh, taking out the the classics um like aquinas and you know all the scholastics yeah. yeah yeah they're taking those out and 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 replacing them with uh you know the the new theologians from France and Germany the novo theologia yeah yep there we go last one Ru- yeah yeah ruben uh also something that about that prophecy from saint hildegard is uh <laughs> she's saying that these mysteries are going to be proclaimed by the mouth of an of an unlearned person, which means, who knows, Ruben? It could be the simple, pious abuelita that goes to daily mass, that's thumbing her rosary beads, you know, uh, you know, an hour a day. She may be the person that may tell us who's the antichrist and when the antichrist is here, versus some a bishop with a mitre, yeah. uh, or, or or a cardinal. 
that's what I think that's what actually she's getting at. That look for the simple and the unlearned. The person you least expect, they're going to be warning us about who this person probably is. Right, that's right. God, God loves humility. So, yeah, God will use the humble to shame the wise. Nineteen, God's warning to the learned not to spurn these words, but exalt them. O fruitful and rewarding teachers, redeem your souls and loudly proclaim these words, and do not disbelieve them. For if you spurn them, you condemn them, but but you you condemn not them, but me, who am truth. For you should nurture my people under my law and care for them until the time of, for their supervision is past and all cares and labors cease. But from now on, the predestined epoch is approaching and you are hastening toward the time when the son of perdition will appear. Grow therefore in vigor and fortitude, my elect. Be on your guard, lest you fall into the snare of death. Raise the victorious banner of these words and rush upon the son of iniquity. For those who, who forerun and follow the son of perdition, whom you call the Antichrist, are in the way of error. But as for you, follow the footsteps of him who taught you the way of truth when he appeared with humility and not with pride in the world and the body. Hear therefore and understand. What's she telling us to do? She's saying, come what may, uh, follow Jesus, turn your back on the devil, turn your back on the Antichrist, and uh, you know, uh, whatever happens, happens. Uh, pain and death will only be for a short while anyhow. Ruben? That's right. That's right, Jesse, and uh, we ha- we have to, you know, fight it all the way. And I mean, not not death. I mean, that's what God wants. It's calling for us martyrdom. I mean, that's a that's our ticket to heaven. And if, yep, uh, <laughs> we can't run from it if that's uh, what His uh, His will is for us. Yep. Hey, by the way, Ruben, let's move on to. We've got a few minutes left. Uh, how do we know that Eve and, and Adam ate an apple from the forbidden tree or from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? Well, the Bible doesn't tell us that it was an apple, right? But the reason we can we kind of deduce that the the fruit of the forbidden tree was probably an apple because in the fourth century, Saint Jerome, who was the scripture scholar, uh, commissioned by Pope Damasus to translate the Hebrew and Greek Bible into the common version spoke of, of the common version of the people known as the Latin Vulgate. The process took about fifteen years. And this is the key Latin translation of the Bible for the West or for Latin Rite Catholics. And it was written in the most common tongue of the West at the time. Uh, well, as it happens, the Latin words for evil and apple are the same Latin word. Malus, M-A-L-U-S. And so Robert Applebaum, professor of English literature, explains that the Hebrew Bible uses the word peri to describe fruit, uh, a generic term that encompasses all hanging fruit. But uh, St. Jerome didn't use that word. He used the word malus. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, again, St. Jerome had many different fruits to pick from for his translation, but he chose the apple due to the dual meaning that it means evil and apple and what it represented in the narrative so it would seem that this saint, known for his hot temper, also had a penchant for puns, and so that's how we get, uh, that's how we get the story that Eve ate the apple. It's uh, the word malus in Saint Jerome's time. Once again, it uh, means evil or apple. It's a Latin word, and uh, then it went into Christian art. But then in the Middle Ages, when they started yeah. drawing the pictures of Adam and Eve based on on uh, St. Jerome's translation, Malus, uh, they started 
drawing pictures of Adam and Eve eating an apple. And also later, it made it into a book called Paradise Lost uh, by Milton. He mm. also it was he also kind of borrowed it from Saint Jerome this forbidden fruit that it was an apple, and it kind of it kind of cemented in history uh, as a result of that. Yeah, he was an English poet, um, John Milton, and uh, he's back on uh, the 1600s. So that got a, that was a huge work. That was his best work, and and so it got a lot of traction from there. And uh, but uh, Applebaum said that uh, even in Milton's time, the word had two meanings, either what was our common apple or, again, any fleshy, seedy-bearing fruit. Milton probably had in mind an ambiguous, ambiguously named object with a variety of connotations as well as denotations, most but not all of them associating the idea of the apple with a kind of innocence, though also with a kind of intoxication since hard apple cider was a common English drink. <clears throat> so... I never thought about that. I, you know, it's something I never, but it, like, like it says in the, in the beginning, like you said in the beginning, scripture isn't clear as to what fruit it was, but. Uh, yeah, but that's what we have tradition. Yeah. And, and again, maybe St. Jerome had a, had a, some manuscripts or some oral tradition that it was an apple that we don't know about because he did study for 15 years in the case of Bethlehem with Jewish rabbis to learn Hebrew. So he may have had some insight that we don't have. So he chose that word malus. For the Latin Vulgate. Yeah, had they been Hispanic, it might have probably been a Mongol. <laughs> <laughs> or a Mansana. <laughs> hey, oh. hey, Ruben, here's the last thing I want to mention before we wrap it up, is that Fulton Sheen also talked a lot about the Antichrist and t- taking it more, being more relevant. He said this about the Antichrist in 1948. Wasn't that long? Oh. He said, Satan will set up a counter church. It will be the ape of the church. It will have all the notes and characteristics of the church, but in in reverse, and emptied of its divine content. The false prophet will have a religion without a cross, a religion without a world to come, a religion to destroy religions. There will be a counterfeit church. Christ's church will be one, and the false prophet will create the other. The false church will be worldly, ecumenical, and global. It will be a loose federation of churches and religions forming some type of global association. Sounds like what's happening right now. Mm-hmm. A world parliament of churches. Then Sheen says this. The mystical body on the earth today, uh, the false prophet, Satan will recruit him from our bishops. That's a wrap. Ruben, take it away. All right. Jesus 911, you've been listening to us. Uh, you love what you hear. Like and share, and uh, stay tuned for Hands-On Apologetics with the great Gary Mashuda from the the Midwest Command Center. And uh, remember, prepare for the Immaculate Conception, the Feast of the Immaculate Conception. Let's uh, let's do some prayer and fasting today, and uh, let's make it a, a big event. It's the Holy Day of Obligation tomorrow, folks, so let's get to Mass. We'll talk to you tomorrow or Thursday. God bless. Keep the faith.